intensity of emotion the last two months, uh, knowing that this day was going to come, knowing that we needed to mark it, and knowing that we needed to just really reflect on the faithfulness of God, how good he has been to us in this chapter. I don't know if you know this, but this May will mark 10 years as a church. And 10 years ago this May, we gathered in this space, um, and some of you were there that first Sunday. And I remember standing up here, my legs were just shaking, and coming from Chicago, I was looking out at a bunch of strangers. And today it's family. And probably my biggest regret even now is that uh, I wish I knew you more. I wish I, wish I had the time to know all of you. Um, but I feel like right now, more than ever, we are in our family room and we're with our family. And we have a God who's just been so good, so faithful. And uh, the psalm that he has just put on our hearts, I think, a lot over this 10-year period, uh, but especially this, this, this day, um, God led me to Psalm 103 to really shape our expression today. And why don't you just close your eyes and, and, and pray this Psalm of David as I read it. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his bidding. Praise the Lord everywhere in all his dominion. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. This morning, God, we are here to just reflect, to remember, because those things are connected, blessing you and remembering. When we remember, it causes our hearts to bless you because we see your faithfulness and your goodness. And so God, would you just lead us in that today as a family? May we do it in a way that's appropriate. Most importantly, may we do it in a way that just blesses your name and puts a smile on your face. Just grateful today, God. We want to say thanks. And so, Lord, when we give even people the opportunity this morning to share for 20 to 30 seconds, I just pray, God, that you would lead the right people and lead them in that sharing. As we read your word, as we sing today, God, may it just come up to you with just as this fragrant, beautiful aroma. We're grateful. We love you. this morning. Uh, we're just going to play for just a few minutes. You can prepare to bring 
God our best. To see of his love for me. 
shall ever be. Singing, how marvelous, how wonderful that my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love.
for every person in this room. I thank you for what they mean to this family. I thank you, God, that you have allowed for this family to be desperate, that we're just a bunch of desperate people, desperate for you. I thank you for the humility, God, that you've put in this family. And no one here, Lord, takes himself too seriously. Uh, that there's really this sense of counting others as better than ourselves. And God, I thank you for um, just the way that this family inspires me and my family to live for you. And I thank you, God, for what's next. And right now, God, as we um, listen a bit to your word, I pray that you would continue to just shape, not just the past and today, but God, you would give shape to uh, our next steps. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I'm not going to give a, a, a sermon this morning. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Um, 
But yet at the same time, I want God's word to fall on us. And uh, Joshua 3 is uh, really the text that God uh, put on my heart. Um, So why don't we uh, stand for the reading of God's word. And I'm going to skip a few verses, so... And I don't know what verses those are, because I just, uh, I just have a sheet of paper with no verse numbers. So you're going to have to try hard if you're looking at your Bibles. Uh, but Joshua 3, verse 1. Early in the morning, Joshua rose and set out from Shittim with all the Israelites, and they came to the Jordan. They camped there before crossing over. And at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, when you see the Ark the Covenant of the Lord your God. Do you know what that is, by the way, the Ark of the Covenant? It's that big box uh, that was in the Holy of Holies that contained the tablets and other items, but then it had the two uh, cherubim, and it was all in gold. It was inside and outside covered with gold, Um, and it was really between the two cherubim that were on top of the box that the Shekinah glory, the dwelling presence of God was, and Moses, when he would enter into the Holy of Holies, would stand before this tabernacle, this box with the two cherubim, and he'd speak to God face to face. And so the, the priests are, are, well, let's just pick up. When you, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set, up, set out from your place. Follow it so that you may know the way you should go, for you have not passed this way before. Joshua. Ooh, it's not Moses, Joshua. Joshua then said to the Israelites, draw near and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, by this you shall know that among you is the living God. Because the ark of the covenant of of the Lord of all the earth is going to pass before you into the Jordan. So now select twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. When the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, touch the waters of the Jordan... The waters of the Jordan flowing from above shall be cut off. They shall stand in a single heap. Now, of course, the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. So when those who bore the ark had come to the Jordan and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped at the edge of the water, the waters flowing from above stood still, rising up to a single heap on each side. And then the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Verse 17, while all Israel were crossing over on dry ground, the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan until the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan. And then into chapter 4, when the entire nation had finished crossing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, select 12 men from the people, one from each tribe, command them, take 12 stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place the priest's feet stood. Carry them over with you and lay them down in the place where you camp tonight. Then Joshua did as the Lord said. He summoned the twelve men from the Israelites whom he had appointed, one from each tribe. Joshua said, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. And each of you take up a stone on his shoulder. I wonder how big those stones were. I'm sure there's a little bit of like, who has the bigger stone here? One for each of the tribes of the Israelites, so that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them 
But the waters of the Jordan were cut in front of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the Israelites a memorial forever. And this is God's word. You can be seated. So the book of Joshua, of course, follows Exodus. And it picks up uh, the story of Israel right after Israel spent 40 years in the desert. And it tells the story of Joshua. And Joshua's name in English is what? Yeshua, Jesus. Actually, Yeshua in Hebrew, Jesus in English. Um, and it's, Joshua is the story of, uh, of how God's people now move into the promised land. Now, one of the reasons why I didn't really want to go to this text is because of where we are. I, I wouldn't want anyone to confuse that now that we're moving from here uh, to uh, a new space, that we are now moving into the promised land, because that's just not true. And I would hate for anyone to think that. However, Israel, at this point in the story, is entering a major transition. First of all, there's that transition in leadership. They're going from Moses, who has led them for 40 years, now to Joshua. And I think even more significantly, there's a transition in terms of place. This is a major transition. I mean, 40 years Israel's been in the desert. And the desert was Israel's preparation. 40 in the, in the Bible is always the number that's symbolic of preparation. And so those 40 years, essentially, it was Israel's boot camp. Where they're prepared as a people to be placed in the center of the world, on the world's main street, at the world's crossroads, to be a city on a hill, a light shining the darkness, a kingdom of priests. And they're moving from desert. And I think most of us, when we think desert, we just think of desert as this hard, difficult place. But I don't look at it that way. I think in just a short amount of time of God's people being in that desert, they were experiencing the closest thing to heaven. I mean, think about it. For 40 years, they didn't have to worry one day what they were going to eat, what they were going to drink, if there'd be enough shelter. God provided just enough food, just enough water, just enough shelter each day. They didn't even have to worry about where to go. Because even that, God said, okay, it's time to go now or it's time to set up camp. I mean, 40 years of really having to worry about nothing And just think about it. There he was every single day. Not Moses. Their good shepherd. Wrapped in a cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, every day, shepherding them. Trust me. It was very Eden-like. And just think about how simple life had become for them. I mean, there was this consistency. There was this predictability. 
And now all of a sudden, they had to leave that comfortable, safe existence for the promised land. But here's the deal. As good as that desert was, as Eden-like as it was, they were never going to have a ministry in the desert. And promised land for them, of course, was exciting, but it was also scary. I mean, first of all, it was a strange land. It was filled with the unknown. There's, there are different peoples there, different cultures, even giants and walled cities. And it was, it was a scary thought to step out of that desert into the promised land. I mean, think about the report from the spies who went into that land and spied it out. They came back and said, this land is awesome. It's flowing with milk and honey. But they said, we can't take it. There's walled cities there, and even more than that, there's giants. There's no way. And now that time comes. Their first task in taking the land is to cross the Jordan. Now, I think most of us miss this, but something hugely significant takes place when they cross the Jordan. Look at uh, verse 3 of chapter 3. It says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. And as soon as the priests, this is now verse 13, who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, once they set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and they, they will stand up in a heap. The first thing I just want us to see here is no longer is God going before them in a cloud. Now, does that mean that God is no longer with them? Absolutely not. But here's what's happened over those 40 years in the desert. They've grown up. No longer do they need daddy's hand. Because they have learned to walk. They have become capable. And that in no way means that they've been weaned off of God, I mean, it's far from it. But here's the deal. God wants us to grow up where it's not just his strength doing everything for us. And I know that almost sounds like, what are you saying this morning? God wants to take us to a place where it's not just God's strength doing everything for us, but it's God's strength working in us and through us. I remember, remember the first time Israel had to defend itself. God says, hey, why don't you guys just sit back and watch. Watch what I'm going to do to the Egyptians. But the next time they fight, yes, it's still all God. It's still all God's strength. But they have to fight. And in fighting, they are experiencing God's strength being worked in them and through them. And so now, rather than God going before them, wrapped in a cloud and holding their hand, it's time for leaders to be raised up, for priests to be raised up, and for God to follow them as they follow God, to trust them as they trust God. And so to cross the Jordan that day, they had to trust God. In fact, they had to believe in the impossible. Look at verse 15. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during the harvest. Yet as soon as the priests 
who carried the ark. Some people say this ark weighed uh, between 1,000 and 2,000 pounds, and usually it was four four men that would be carrying it. So people ask themselves, how on earth did they carry that ark, especially through, through a river? Well, I love uh, Jewish commentary on this because uh, they say, hey, we never carry God. God carries us. And they say they, don't, they didn't carry that ark. The ark carried them. And here they are. They're coming to the waters, the priest, carrying one to 2,000 pounds, this ark on their back. The waters are not going to part until they get their feet wet. Until they trust God and step in the water. I really feel like God is asking the same of us today. He's asking us to move out of this space. He's asking us to follow him. He's, he's, he's calling us to leave space that I think in many ways has become comfortable. For something that's hugely an unknown. He's, he's calling us out of the suburbs. He's calling us downtown. He's calling us to the center of Grand Rapids. He's, he's calling us to the crossroads of Grand Rapids. 131, 96, there we are. Dan Claver had some foresight when he named this church Crossroads. We didn't know at the time, but boy, that's becoming clear and clear. And he's calling us to be there, not just so that we can just be a little holy huddle, but he's calling us because he's given us a big, a big mission that's so beyond us. And it's a mission that we don't exist to just hold church services. Crossroads exists for Grand Rapids. That's why we exist. And God's leading us, right? to the crossroads, to the city center, so we can be a kingdom of priests, a city set on a hill within the city of Grand Rapids, a light shining in the darkness. And to do that, he's really asking us to leave our comfort. He's asking us to leave safety. He's asking us to believe in the impossible. And I'm going to be the first to admit that safety and comfort are probably life's greatest temptations. Can I tell you something? God never, ever called us to be safe. And God never said following him would be comfortable. And if you want to live a boring, meaningless life, then seek Comfort and safety. And I'll tell you what, you seek comfort and safety and you will cheat yourself seeing God do the impossible. And so as we move from this space, I I really believe that God is asking us to trust him that we're going to have to put our feet in the water. And you know what I think Joshua's greatest fear is? And I think I joined Joshua in, in this. 
Joshua's greatest fear, it wasn't so much walled cities, it wasn't giants that were there, but I think Joshua's greatest fear is this, that, that actually when we cross the Jordan, and, and when we take this land, and when we see the finger of God at work, and when God blesses us, we're going to forget him. I mean, remember, Joshua has some pretty big shoes to fill. And I think it's in his insecurity that God says, Hazak, Joshua, be strong and be courageous. Do not let my word, my Torah, do not fall away from it, but you meditate on it. You meditate on it day and night. And I can just see Joshua meditating on it. And I can see Joshua coming to a place like Deuteronomy 8. And, and I, I see those words probably falling on his heart like a bombshell. Because it says in Deuteronomy 8 that when my people get in promised land, they're going to forget me. In fact, it's worse than that in Deuteronomy 8. Not only are they going to forget God, but they're going to start to say, my hands did this. We did this. And that's why I think Joshua, the moment they cross the river, he wants to pile up some stones. In fact, look at verses 5 to 7 in chapter 4. Starting with verse 4 of chapter 4. So Joshua called together the twelve he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God. Your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the numbers of tribes of Israel to serve as a sign among you because in the future when your children ask you what do these stones mean, I want you to tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when... It crossed the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. In fact, seven times in the book of Joshua, Joshua, after something awesome that God has done for them, says, stop, we're going to put a stone pile up to remember this. And see what these piles of stones are. They're, they're, they're stakes in the ground. They're memorials to God. They're to say to the world that a God story happened in this place. They're markers of God's faithfulness. And not just a marker to them, but look at verse 6. So that when your children see them, they're going to ask, Mom and Dad, why is this pile of rocks here? And then mom and dad or grandma and grandpa can say, guess what, kids? There's a God story attached to those stones. God did something really special for his people. He parted the waters. He fed us. He was faithful to us. That's what I want to do this morning. I want to erect a pile of stones that serve as a reminder to us, that serve as a reminder to our children and to our children's children that God's been faithful to us in this chapter. 
I can say this, and some people right now in this room can certainly attest to this. This church shouldn't be, be around today from an earthly perspective. We shouldn't. And to think that not only are we still around, but that we have story upon story of God's faithfulness. Remember, it was my senior year playing football. You guys have no idea, like, honestly, junior high kids, or not junior high, uh, juniors in high school usually don't think about running away from home. But as I approached my senior year in football, that thought crossed my mind all the time. I wanted to avoid my senior year of football like a plague. Um, and I, I was going to be the quote-unquote quarterback it was a small town, a small town, that's all they talked about. It was their life. And uh, as a young kid, you feel that pressure. And I didn't, I didn't want it. And then we played our first football game. And I'm telling you right now, I was absolutely horrible. And I don't even know how we won the game against a very horrible high school. <laughs> but we did. I was so humiliated that I literally was the first one running off the field, running into the locker room. I wanted to just get out of there. I don't know why, but I got to the end zone going into the locker room, and God just like smoked me and said, you're going to thank me. You're going to thank me for this. And I stopped. And I gathered the whole team together and we got on our knees and we thanked God for a trivial football game. I do not want to leave this place because God has been saying this all week to me. Don't leave this place without thanking me. So we're not going to just run to the next thing. We're going to remember. We're going to take time to remember. We're, we're, we're going to share stones of remembrance right now. And some of you, I know you have, have things that you want to share. And I'm just going to ask that you limit it to 20 to 30 seconds if you can. But, but of how God has been faithful to you or faithful to your family. In fact, if you get up and you represent your family and you want to share, I want your whole family to come. And I want to start with just two of my own standing stones today. Stones of remembrance. I mean, I could share stone after stone. I have so many memories of the last 10 years that are precious to me. But I'm going to limit it to two. Um, the first one is a significant one. It's, it's just the baptismal tank. Just the memory of that tank right there. Uh, symbolizes what I'm most grateful for. Of all those stories of life change and heart change that were expressed, the new life in Christ that people found, that is standing stone number one for me. Just bless God for it. Standing stone number two for me are the people who aren't here 
who've uh, gone before us to the promised land. I think about them all the time. And you probably don't even know these, all these names. Uh, some of them, you might, all of us might know them. But um, I'll start with Don Williams. I don't know if you remember Don. Don and I had breakfast at least once a month in the day. The guy loved Jesus. African-American. In fact, I remember one service where... We've had some pretty crazy services here, uh, but this happened to be a service where it just blew up and people were washing feet and doing all that kind of stuff. Do you guys remember that gathering? And that Sunday, God just put on my heart to wash Don's feet. And Don went to be with the Lord about three years ago. He had a huge impact on my life. Kristen Stoy. That thing just fell like a bombshell here. She served just so faithfully in Libby's ministry and um, God just took her life at such a young age and a family that's just a core family here at this church. In fact, that was the first death that our church had to deal with was Kristen. And that's when I really blessed God for this family. I bless God for the stoics because they taught us how to suffer and how to suffer well. Nikki. Nikki was a teenager when I first met her and I just, even when our offices were in that old office space and she came up and we'd talk and she had cancer as a 19-year-old. Chris Zimmer just almost adopted her as one of her children. And this happened to be her church. And one of the things you guys don't know is that when I'm up here, I just... Like Nikki sitting right back there when I'm preaching, like her presence would just... It would scream at me and I would just... While I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next, I'm also thinking and praying, God, I hope this encourages her right now. And then just to go into her hospital room as she knew that she was approaching the end. Um, and she just let me know. She's like, Rod, I am a follower of Jesus. And to do her funeral. And to watch you, Chris, wherever you are. And, and the way you walked alongside of her was just... <laughs> it changed me. Rick Van Holstein to watch him come and to watch Lou Gehrig's disease just in a matter of three years literally physically destroy a man's body and I felt his presence every time I was here he would just be right back there in fact, I even watched him, because I go off to that room, some of you know, and I watch you guys come in on Sunday mornings. I don't know if you know that, but I pray for you too. Um, and Dave and Joanne, to watch you stop your life, to take care of your brother, and to watch you every Sunday walk him in it was just it was it was beautiful
Derek. Became a best friend to me. I mean, speaking of baptisms, I remember after baptisms, I'd go in there and do my change of clothes and Derek so many times just come in there and be like, Sam, holy cow, can you believe this? did it in my office all the time. Slammer. Man, God just used you this week. I think it was, uh, it was someone that said to me when that happened, this will forever change our church. And it has. In the most incredible way. Because as already has been prayed, we have been watching you, Charity, and you, Doug and Linda, if you're here, and Hillary, and we have seen how the weight of glory comes out of suffering, and you are some of the most glorious, beautiful people on the face of the earth, and you have been reflecting the glory of God in your response to this incredible loss this is what I want to remember today I know it feels a little bit like why are you talking about this you know Jewish people when they still to this site go to um, a cemetery they don't go there with flowers in their hands to remember their loved ones they go there with stones and, and, and they come with their stones uh, to place the stone on top of uh, the stone marking the grave to say a God story happened here through this life. And I want to take this stone and place it on top of this stone because I want to build my life on this life. And I think that's what we're here to say today. While we're leaving this place, we're not. Whatever God has for for us next, we want it to be built on the 10 years of God's faithfulness to what he's done in us and through us in this space. And so I want to end all of this just by saying, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. And if you have a story right now that you'd like to share, please limit it to 20 to 30 seconds. But uh, throw your stone before us. Anyone? Is there a mic up here? Back there, find Bradley. Come on, we're in our family room here. This isn't a church service. I just want to praise God. He's so good. My name is Gary Stowey. And uh, we've been coming to the family for about six years. And uh, 
we needed a time of healing, so we came in and out of the services, and I think it wasn't until a fall where Kristen and our son Josh had gone to a youth group. <laughs> they came back and they said, Dad, Mom, you wouldn't believe this guy, Derek. Uh, he's just so on fire for the Lord. And I'm thinking, you guys play a lot of games? or I mean, what, you know? <laughs> and uh, no, I said, no, he's passionate about the Lord. I thought, you know, I mean, we didn't, we're not going to stay here because of the pews, you know, the comfortable pews. But, <laughs> but we thought, if, our, if the youth pastor is that passionate about the Lord, there's got to be something going on here. So, so we joined. Uh, a year later, after they'd gone to a mission trip to Newark, um, both of them were baptized. We talked about that, Rod. And then five, five months later, God decided it was time for Kristen to come home. And you guys, you guys were there for us. Have been there all along. We just praise you for really being there for us. Thanks. Going to get my workout. <laughs> um, my name is Steph Patton, and um, it's good to be back here. Um, we made a two-hour trek this morning, woo, all the way. Um, but we wouldn't want to miss this, and so we just thank God that we can be here. Oh, it was hard to leave this place. It was hard when God said, "You get to move," and He uprooted us and plopped us on a farm. But we, for the last four months, have not had any community have not had a church family, have not had anybody to lock arms with, and um, which makes us, um, we've grieved that because we were so grateful for Crossroads and for what you guys have meant to us. We started out as a family of four, and you watched us grow to a family of eight, and you walked through hell and high water with us. Um, you've loved us so well, and so it's... Um, You've set a standard high for our next family. Um, but you guys are forever in our hearts and forever in our prayers. And we just bless God for all of you all, like Rod, Libby, Craig, and Allie, like all of you. Mm -hmm. you. You've seen. You've seen the worst of our family, and yet you clung to us, and you didn't let us go, and... It's such a true picture of God and his faithfulness to us. So we're excited to see what God does with you and, um, and through you. Yeah. Hi, I'm Charity Tages, and um, I have only been back to this location because I go on the east side um, once since the tragedy. Um, so a little overwhelmed this morning um, by lots of emotion. But I just want to 
praise God and thank him so much for me as I'm flooded with these amazing memories. And first of all, I'm just thankful for those memories. And they really are the stakes in the ground. I mean, that was our big thing from the start. Let's put a stake in the ground. I don't know how many of you remember Rod saying that over and over again. And I just think the stones that I put down were just watching how many stakes were put in the ground in this place. And um, I just think of, you know, all three of my babies were dedicated here, and that was a stake in the ground for us. And I think the stake in the ground that um, just I watched Dan and Kim and Rod and Libby early on make really tough decisions that they felt God called to, and just in me that formed such a heart and passion and lock arms with them that created a bond that was needed so heavily as God prepared us for what was coming. Um, just stakes in the ground of watching Derek lead worship, <laughs> which is really funny. Uh, <laughs> and just lives of students being changed, I think of that, baptisms over and over again, and just of the lives that were changed, and just being able to be a part of that. And I'm so thankful that God gave us this community and this place that I got a front row seat and got to participate what you were talking about, not just sitting there and letting God do it, but to be able to be have his strength lived out with me, and that happened in this body. So I'm just so thankful that and I could say a million more things of just the stakes and the lives that were changed. And um, for me, this place, when you walk into it, it's, just, it's so dear, um, and it's just flooded with so many of those stakes and so many of you and so many people, too, that are just um, amazing as God just brought us all together and used us all to continue doing his work. So I'm just really, really um, overwhelmed and thankful. So. Uh, we're Dan and Kim Claver, and we're just... Um, Grateful as we reflect back 10 years ago, it was about this time, uh, February, March, that we were in a planning time uh, for the launch in May. And um, what impressed me, Rod, was you didn't take yourself serious. And um, that was refreshing. And you never wanted this to be about you. And um, as I reflect back and I think of the leadership over all the years, um, they were very servant-minded. And I just pray that as we move from a chapter, and a chapter is only part of the story, to the rest of the story, that we continue with servanthood as part of what we stand for, that we can continue to give and give and give of ourselves. And as we go downtown, I'm sure there's going to be so many opportunities that we can all get involved and give of ourselves to those um, that just need Jesus. And so simply thank you for your leadership, for not taking yourself serious, for it not being about the pastor, and for it being about all of us as servants. Thank you. And Rod, I want to piggyback on that as well. So many times I remember that one sermon, many sermons that you would say, we want to be a church full of Joshua's. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, my word, do you have any idea what you just said? <laughs> and what a great challenge it's been for all of us here to be a church full of Joshua's who know and love Jesus, who want to go out and go whole hog 
full force, 100% towards that goal of being like him. So what a great start, Rod. What a great 10 years we've had together. And we just thank you. Thank you, Libby, for being that strength underneath Rob, Rod. And for being a team together, you guys have just showed us Christ through your marriage, through you being a team. You've exhibited that what we needed in our, in our home here, in our community, is that faithful marriage that's gone through hell and back, right? But you've exhibited that faithfulness, and you've challenged us to stay the course in our marriages, in those weddings that you do, and in that, in that counseling you do. I, I just am so thankful. I know everybody else here as well is so thankful for that modeling for our marriages and for growing, wise, loving, God-fearing families. So thank you. Thanks, Lib. He said, guys, if we were doing this, to stand. <laughs> um, I don't even know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to try to say it in 30 seconds. Um, we're the Johnsons. I'm Ka Carrie and this is Cal. And we were in some of those planning meetings at the beginning. And it's just amazing that 10 years has gone by. Um, my oldest daughter had graduated from high school when we started, and now my youngest daughter's graduating from high school, so it's been a huge season of our life. Um, when the service first began, I thought, what I'm most thankful for is one heart, one mind, one spirit, and one body. And I never experienced that in a church before with people all around me. And that's been valuable. Um, and just being, for the people who have young kids here, the impact of the leadership within your family, but within the hearts of your children, that is not possible without God in a church family. And Charity Derek had a huge impact in the, kids of, in the lives of my kids and us. <laughs> And it's difficult for me to see you here, too, because life has forever changed for everybody, but not in any way as it has been for you and yours. But we're all preparing to dance in heaven, and I know you'll get to do that again. There is one picture from Newark that we have, and that's of you and Derek dancing in the streets from the mission trip that Shanna went on. And you'll get to do that again. And I just want you to know that we pray often for your entire family. And I'm so thankful you're still here embracing what we have to give you. And I'm so looking forward to being reunited with the whole. It's just been wonderful. I have no idea what she's going to say. So <laughs> this could be interesting. <clears throat> We've talked a lot about family here today. And these last eight months have been rough. And uh, I just want to thank God for the love he's shown our family through so many of you people. To 
just taught us a lot of lessons about forgiveness and what it's mean what it means to lose people in your life that are dear to you. And uh, this family is truly a blessing to us. Without this church, these last eight months would have been very difficult to even get through. So I thank God for that in this church. I'm going to mention adoption because I feel like this is a family of believers who loves on the orphans. And Rod, I think that has a lot to do with your passion for the orphans. Sure. Yes. Yes. I mean, you don't have to adopt to love on the orphans. And, you know, we went through an adoption journey about eight years ago, and we didn't always feel love and support around um, other people in our lives, but we always felt it here. And we, are, we feel so blessed by that. Um, adoption is not always easy. And um, like I said before, you don't need to adopt to be involved in, in the orphans. And, and just the love and support we have felt has just meant so much to us. So thank you. My name is Barbara Masney. Um, I think one of the things that um, has been very important to me in the Crossroads community is the um, church house groups and um, Bible study. And I just think, you know, part of being able to equip at least myself was being able to get involved in some of those outside things to continue the feeding of what happened happens here on Sundays. And um, within that, having... Um, a circle of women around me that can be account, you know, help us to be accountable. And I just like to encourage everybody to seek out those opportunities and not just let your Sunday morning be your time here, but to be able to um, let other people pour into you and pour out to other people as well that way. And um, just one other thing, I just want to say to Rod that um, a big journey I've been on over a couple of years, and with everything you've talked about making covenant. And I just would say that right now um, I feel very much that I am so much in covenant with my Lord that he is my groom. I am his bride. Um, my husband's gone for a year to China, and I really you know, need that um, bridegroom there carrying me, carrying us as a marriage while he's doing that. Um, but I just want to encourage you especially for me with this time having those women in my Bible study around me, but seek that out so that you can continue to grow and be able to pour out in other people. We could keep going here, um, I, but just for sake of time and our children's workers as well, does that feel right, Greg? <laughs> I'll let you have the last word behind you, right there. Yeah, 20 seconds. Okay, <laughs> it always happens at the very end, I don't know, but, you know, I've, this church offers a lot of opportunities to serve, and, but there are more, I mean, we don't need the staff to offer these opportunities, but my life over the last, I don't know how many years now, uh, it's just like, you can look around and see opportunities. You don't need 
Brad to to announce it, uh, and and by and you just grab these opportunities, and you know why you're doing it, not not because they need help, but because the Lord's telling you to do it, and and now we're coming into a building, and there's going to be more of it available, and I'm just saying, grab it. Make use of this body of people, and you know, and praise God, we have one building now. <laughs> you know, but but make use of the opportunities right next to you. You know, because if I need help, I'm counting on you guys. Simple as that. You know, and th- thank you everybody for uh, just being my family. I wanted to say too, this guy right here, stand up again. Look at him. Yesterday, I saw him doing teardown and setup over at North Point. All of you, that whole team of people, thank you, you guys, for all the work that you have put into that. Galzo, are you kidding me? What are you doing here? This dude, Brian and wife, stand up. This guy, from day one, our sound guy right there. How many years, dude? Let's thank, yeah, come on, man. (laughs) Now I'm going to piggyback on this. We got a job to do. We got a job to do. God has a unique calling on this church. It's kind of a front lines calling. Where we get to be in the trenches together. I like trench. Trench means that we're brothers, sisters, arm in arm. That's where we're going, front lines. It's time. It's time for us to put our feet in the water and to just go for it. Let's stand. I just come down. We're going to take an offering right now.
several weeks we're going to be gathering as one east and west family a couple of things I can just say to you um, number one if you have not been coming to this church from the beginning we don't play games around here of the people that have been here longer are more important the only thing about being here longer means is that we just have more memories and more story that's all there's no rank in this gathering at all there's also no east west games I know I know I hear it west is the best side east is the best side I hear it okay um, we're coming together I need you guys to be mature in this adults <laughs> and I'm only having this talk with you <laughs> because I believe in you and I need you. We need, this church needs for you guys to continue to just set the course. Okay? And let's dive into being crossroads, which is loving God with everything we have, loving our neighbor as ourself, and being family and opening the doors to all the families of the world that don't have family to be brought into the family of Christ. Let's live that out like we've never lived it out before. All right? You have blessings? Receive his blessing. Again, the promise of this is when we receive this, that God puts his name on us. And when God puts his name on us, uh, he's placing his spirit in us. So receive it. May the Lord bless you and protect you. To make his face to shine upon you. To be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance over you. May his Holy Spirit fill you. And may he give you peace. Shalom. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So that we can be shalom to a world in chaos. So go in the name of Christ. Amen. Have a great week.